Welcome, my guest, to the podcast, Albert Kasumai. Albert, welcome. Well, thank you, Amir. I'm I'm so I'm so glad to be here with you today. Uh, I uh, it's it's been a little while, and I know when we connected to talk about this. Uh, what I really like is that we connected right back to. I think it's been several years since we 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 interacted or, or had a, a chat. I uh, look forward to having a little chat with you, and uh, and hopefully, you know, uh, share a bit of a story that. Um, hopefully will help, you know, some folks in, in some ways. Yep. And your story is amazing. And like you said, we haven't talked in at least 10 years, but I remember the gist of your story, right? And you've, you've come to this country as a refugee in your late teens, and you accomplished in five years what many of us try to accomplish in our first 25 years. So hey, let's let's get started and 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 get to hear your story. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, you 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 came in as a refugee. Where did you come from, and and what caused you to leave? Yeah, Amir, I certainly look forward to unfolding some of those. I must admit, you know, warning to the to, to your to your audience and and the the, the folks the listeners that um, the story is somewhat sad at at, at certain points, I guess, but. Reality is, I guess, when life gives you lemons, what do you do? Right? You 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 make lemonade. And um, <clears throat> so, um, I'm originally from Kosovo. It's a little tiny country in the Balkans, um, 1.7 million people, essentially. Uh, as much, but in 1999 in Kosovo, there was uh, quite a bit of unrest. Um, there was a war broke out. And I was caught in that war, uh, Amir, and at um, the time I was 19, I was uh, studying electrical engineering in Kosovo, um, I was caught in the war, and um, there was persecution throughout my entire life because we were Kosovo Albanians, Serbs essentially had ruled Kosovo for, for, for a long time, and they basically persecuted anyone that was not quite like them. And so, um, in, and so when the war broke out, um, to kind of accelerate the story, is um, uh, Serbs, so NATO bombed Serbia because of the atrocities that they were committing against Kosovo Albanians, essentially my people. Um, and and, and, and in, in retaliation, Serb paramilitary, military police forces essentially retaliated against the civilian, innocent civilian population on the ground. Um, and so in a matter of days, they've emptied out um, essentially the, 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 the cities, over 80% of the population in Kosovo was forced out of the country. So I found myself, together with a family, essentially forced out of home. You know, paramilitary forces knocked on our doors, on our door, and basically told us to leave or be killed. Um, and then we were steered, Amir, towards a train station. Um, you can imagine this feeling. You're going towards a train station, rivers of people. You know, city, cities are being emptied, um, and you're going 
to, you don't know where you're going. You have an unknown destination. Uh, you're basically being forced into a train without a destination. And I must admit, throughout this process, us, family, and myself at the time, we were lucky to be alive. Many others had a different fate. So you can just imagine. Um, I remember in that train sitting, Amir, and truly being afraid to think about the future. You know, I mean, we're, we're a creature of habit. You're always excited about the future. You're always thinking, you know, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do six, you know, two months from now? I'm going to take, I'm going to travel. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do that. I'm going to finish school. I'm going to, all of that essentially goes away. So it's a very, very unusual feeling. But I remember that feeling as we were essentially forced out of the country. And, um, yeah. So, so then which, where's your next stop, right? You're, you're forced out of the country. You're in this train station. Where, where do you go? Where, where's your journey lead you? And, and, and how do you yeah. get to your destination? So that's a great question. And we, we didn't know. <laughs> I mean, we didn't know whether that train was going to force us out of the country or whether that train was sending us in the heart of Serbia to be massacred like others were. I mean, to this day, there's many thousands of Kosovo Albanians that were killed in the war, and they're still missing. Um, they were never found. Wow. And there's mass graves that continue to be found. So just a sobering, you know, gloomy, I apologize to all the, the listeners, kind of a gloomy picture of, 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 of reality of, of, frankly, evil that human is capable of. Um, um, and unfortunately, there's nothing good about war. I mean, and I've experienced it myself. It's the most horrible thing that humans can do. And, and, um, and, and, you're, were, how, and how old were you? And how yeah, old were you? I was, I was, I was 19 at the time. Jeez. I was 19. It was prime target. Um, I remember my mother was glued to the side of my body because <clears throat> at 19, there were snipers around the entire city. And so <clears throat> as we were walking towards the train station, and even in the train station, as a 19-year-old, you're a prime target. And so snipers around killed many people. And so I remember my mother would be glued, attack. Um, and, 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 and frankly, I mean, we, we were just, now that I unfold those memories from that time, we were, we were absolutely lucky to be alive. And you, you, you asked a really good question. So where do you go from there? Um, we were lucky. We were forced out of the country. And we, we had our lives together with our lives, just backpacks, nothing else. Just a couple of backpacks with, with some clothes in them. And they were basically threw us in a refugee camp in a neighbor, neighboring Macedonia. Um, we stayed in a refugee camp for about a month. And then basic actions that I established, and you, I'll mention it later, relationships are the important piece in the relationship. Um, I met some folks that I was lucky as well, and I spoke broken English and 
I was studying electrical engineering, and well, you know, they, once they asked a bunch of questions, there they said, well, you know what, maybe. <laughs> Maybe you should go to the United States. You speak some English. You study computers. Or maybe, you know, the United States is a good place for you. <laughs> um, you know what my answer was, Amir? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the reality was that when you're a little Kosovar, living in a tiny Kosovo, the world is way too big. The uh, United States is way too far. I never saw myself as somebody that wanted to come to the United States. Um, but they convinced me because of the tremendous um, power of education that the United States schools have. And, and I remember, I mean, I, I've always been a, a fan of, of, of the United States and the United States education system and whatnot, but I just never saw myself traveling halfway around the world to live. And so... You know, I, I gradually was convinced and eventually I convinced my parents and family to make some big sacrifices for me. A fascinating journey, Amir. I mean, I've met you and I've met a, a bunch of other people that have truly brightened up our lives in the process. Um, and we're forever grateful for that. So then how do you how do you get to America and um and what are your what are your priorities when we when you get to America? And 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 that's interesting because just hearing what you've already gone through, many of us can be like, hey, you know, we've had a head start on you, right? At least <laughs> we have an idea and a plan where we want to go. We just gotta figure out how to get there. But in your situation, you're just showing up to America. So how do you how do you get here and then what are your priorities? That's that's a that's an incredible question. Um, you know, it's funny because um, none of that, a lot of that was a bit surreal as we went through it because it was also pretty fast. Um, I remember from the refugee camp another piece of story. It would be fascinating for others. Is uh, all of our documents, passports, IDs, all of those documents were destroyed by Serb regime at the time. And so State Department gave us essentially a sheet of eight and a half by 11 piece of paper uh, from the refugee camp. They stamped, they glued our pictures in that sheet of paper. They stamped it with um, the State Department stamp. And that was our passports. We didn't pay the ticket. We were essentially, it was a special airplane that took us from the refugee camp by bus straight to the plane. A sheet with six pictures of our family. One sheet. That was our passport that uh, got us into the United States. And we landed in an in Air Force base here in New Jersey. And they they basically processed us through the immigration services and all the vaccinations and things that you need to do. And then they asked us, I mean, we didn't have anyone in the U.S. No family, no close friend, nobody. And then they asked us, uh, where would you like to go? <laughs> I'm like, you know, we could just spin the globe and just close the eyes and put a point, you know, a point somewhere and just send us there. It's, it doesn't make any difference from our perspective. I mean, we don't know. We don't have anyone. So we met someone close, some, some distant friend of father's that was in that um, Air Force base during those three weeks that we were there. 
and they had family in Houston. And so we said, well, great. I mean, at least we know somebody. So maybe, maybe we'll go to Houston as well. And so they picked us up and basically they shipped us to Houston and uh, the nonprofit organizations in Houston helped us a lot. So it was YMCA at the time, it was Catholic Charities. Um, and those are my first roots of really connecting with the nonprofit organizations in Houston. And I'm currently a board member of Catholic Charities. I've been with them for about 13 years. That's amazing. That helped me grow my feet, my legs, grow my legs back. Um, so when we came, we landed in Houston and we went, you know, they, they, they threw us in an apartment and then they helped us essentially um, settle in. Um, our priorities from our perspective, incredible support from parents as well. Our priorities were really simple. Education first. So as soon as I landed, my first questions were, hey, where's the closest university? Where can I go to essentially continue, continue my studies, right? And so long story short, we go through the the journey of enrolling in University of Houston um, because family, you know, needed help to make ends meet. I actually had to work full time to help family and go to school. So I did full time work and full time school, which is frankly not fun, but it worked. And um, that was the journey. Yeah, I mean, there's so many stories around how I went through the University of Houston, but very quickly I I developed relationships with students, with uh, outstanding, brilliant people, including yourself. I mean, that's where I met you. And I remember the fascinating story of, you know, when we were part of Mu Ida Sigma <laughs> and you were kind of the uh, one of the, uh, you know, predecessors that paved the way for the excellent students that were part of that organization. I remember we would, you were, you would be revered and other folks were like, wow, you know, these are the guys that basically built the pillars of that organization and, 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 and the standards that that organization had for students. And so in a way you and others inspired us to be better, right? Um, it was a fascinating journey. I mean, in four and a half years or so, I graduated with honors from University of Houston. I was president of United Sigma, like yourself, <laughs> and I'm proud of that. I was part of this cool um, group of students um, there, um, while also being able to support family um, throughout the journey. Um, I think and what did you... Uh... Where did you actually end up? Uh, so as you were going through college, right, you got the challenges of college. Um, where, what, what was your next step, right? So as you're going through college, um, you know, how do you look for a job? What are you thinking? And, and where do you end up getting a job? You know, Amir, that's, that's, another, that's another fascinating, inspirational story, really, that um, I remember until maybe junior year, late junior year, um, I had no idea of what I was going to do. I mean, I, I was, my passion was, 
video on computers and information technology. And uh, I was a math guy as well, but I never quite understood the concept of standards, even though I always had this competitive thing in myself, this fire that, uh, that, that, that raged, uh, uh, that helped me be competitive. Um, but I really realized once I met a few folks like yourself and others and started building relationships with professors and then started understanding these recruiting processes that companies do at, at universities like U of H and other schools where, I mean, there was many companies that would come and that basically would, would, would recruit from from uh, from schools and 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 mu ida sigma that you and others created these pillars um were the standard organization where they would come and meet with and 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 you know um basically connect could collect all those fan extent you know excellent students though they would collect those outstanding students and they would go away and that's where i met the team of exxon mobile that's where I met the team of ConocoPhillips and Accenture and um, USA and many other really great companies. Um, I must admit, Amir, it was also good timing. Luck plays a big role here as well because uh, in 2005 when I graduated, I think economy was pretty good. Um, so I, I landed um, multiple different offers. Um, it was eight months before I graduated that I actually had an offer from ExxonMobil. And after agonizing and talking to professors and discussing about other offers, I selected ExxonMobil. And I've been with ExxonMobil for 15 years now. Wow. So another fascinating journey, um, you know, through that. And yeah, it's, 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 it's been fun. It's been um, tedious at times. Uh, Everything that a cool journey really has, um, yeah, it's been it's been very very interesting. In the U.S., when you're 19, within five years, you end up working at Exxon Mobil, a, a company you probably need never even heard of when you were 19 <laughs> or five years ago. And I've now heard you've of been Shell. Fifteen years. I've heard of Shell. I've never heard of Exxon Mobil. I never dared to dream that I'd be working for Shell. Yet, I'll, yet alone work for a company better than Shell. Yeah. So right, a little plug so, there. Yeah. So <laughs> let me ask you this though. So the hardest part of the journey, right? In, in any kind of journey, we all have our own journeys, and and you've had an amazing journey. What what are your keys to success, right? Because we we all, including yourself here, go through your ups and downs. Many of us aren't actually thrown out of our homes. Or, or thrown out of our countries, um, or have to even mentally think about that as we continue our journey in life, or plane ride into the U.S. and not knowing where to go. What are your What are your keys to success in all of this? Right? How do you How do you keep overcoming and and keep progressing? That's another really really good question. I had to think really hard about that a little bit. Because there's so many things that play, and frankly, part of it is also luck. Um, but Amir, to your point, um, there's really, from my perspective, this is my my two cents, if you will, into this. But there's really three things that I could say 
played a pivotal role in the success of his journey. Um, and the blessings that I've had really, and, and, and frankly, give me and my family and, 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 and us the opportunity to give back to the community that gave so much to us. Um, I, one, uh, the most important thing really from my perspective is relationships. And when I say relationships on the air, I mean, you think from anchoring yourself into the family first, and then anchoring yourself to really uh, meaningful relationships that you develop. And the way I've looked at this is a few of those relationships were absolutely pivotal to the success that I've had. And, and I don't mean like I met a friend and they really got me this nice vacation or anything like that. No, no, no. I mean inspiration. I mean, I met friends that became my mentors. And then I would see them, I mean, including yourself, boss, and others, um, that would walk the walk, not just talk the talk. They would walk the walk. And then there's nothing like an example of what you can be or what you can strive to be like those mentors that I've had. And you, frankly, I've learned, I mean, the secret is if you're willing to to um, pursue a good mentor, they're out there and they're, they have these arms wide open because a lot of senior, very established, whether it's executives in the corporation, corporate world, and whether it's, um, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, folks that have pursued their own private business and enterprise and have become successful, wildly successful, so they're willing to listen and willing to learn to really share that journey. There's so many out there. And, and so that was pivotal to me. If I was to anchor the success, that would be that family, and of course God, uh, would be the three, that tri- <clears throat> excuse me, triangle of what truly helped me to really understand what are the essential priorities in my life. And once you line up those uh, priorities, everything else around your life becomes easier in a way, Amir. And so the other thing, I mean, so we talked about relationships. The other thing is really having high standards for yourself. Um, When I say high standards, I frankly, I mean, what I tell, because I I, I recruit now new folks from universities and I bring interns. And one of the key things is to try to motivate them, right? So what I tell everyone is, if you can give that extra inch, if you can give that extra minute, if you can give that extra, you know, on top of that 100% that we're all asked to give, do it. And I know at times it's hard, but you create a standard for yourself. And that standard helps you develop a reputation. And that, re- that reputation eventually precedes you in everything you do. Um, um, I, I mean, those are the, 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 that's the second thing I'm here. The third thing is really 
And I think this is where you excel and I've seen and you're a motivation for me and frankly, just many others <laughs> that I try to draw on. What would Amir do and what would uh, Basim and others do? And um, the other thing is you really have to have a thirst, a, 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 a spirit of continuously learning. Don't ever feel like you know a lot. Always be willing to learn and don't be afraid to learn from the least expected areas or least expected people. I mean, I learned a ton from the interns I would bring in my group at work. I mean, the new generations, the new thinking, the brilliance in their creativity, but instant gratification and how they work and how they go about their style of approaching complex things. It's, it's just absolutely fascinating to me. And so I learn from my kids sometimes. <laughs> so um, always be hungry to learn and always be willing to be at that discomfort level to truly grow. Once you start not really be hungry for that learn, for that for that learning, you're going to fall back. Now, those would be my three areas. Yeah. I know I probably um, elaborated so a little bit said- too much, but- but yeah, I mean, so you said relationships, right? Relationships, high standard, and and hunger, right? And and what's amazing is let's take you know high standard for example. If you're always trying your best at whatever you can do, no one's going to fault you for that, right? And everyone's going to remember that about you, right? So even if you're not successful in something you're trying, or successful in something you're pursuing. No one will fault you if you try your best because they say, man, this person gives 110%, right? That's exactly Versus right. Versus someone saying, oh, you. they didn't try hard enough or they didn't try hard enough, right? They in, in this situation, you've tried your best and everyone sees that, right? And it's it's essential, Amir. Things that you say resonate very well because, and guess what, guys? Um, listeners out there, I mean, Really, I'm, I'm I'm a believer of these because one of the other things to mention is there's a lot of times when you're going to give that 10%, extra 10%, there's going to be, you're going to give that extra hour or that extra inch or that extra mile or whatever it is, and frankly, people are not going to notice. Well, guess what? Sometimes it takes one notice to make a huge difference in your life. And if you continue to be true to that, Trust me, people will notice. And like you said, then you create that reputation. Oh, when you talk about that person, yes. I mean, they may not succeed all the time, but boy, they give, you know, that extra mile or that 150% or whatever it is that truly creates a, 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 reputa- a positive reputation for yourself. Yeah, and, and that's that's a great way to wrap up your journey, right? And and many of us go through our own situations, but it's it's amazing to hear your journey of being thrown out of your house, thrown out of your country, and dropped in a land where you don't know anybody and you just gotta figure it out. And and you did in five years, right? And that's one thing I'm always impressed about your story is five years is not a long time. It's a blur. But in five years, you were able to 
accomplish what many of us try to accomplish in 30, right? Like get a job, get an education, be able to support yourself. For many of us, it takes 30 years to get to that point. But but you did it in five coming from a different country, man. So that's that's something I always remembered about your story, man. And, and that's a great way to wrap up with your three, three keys to success, right? Relationships, um, always try your best, your effort, your standard, um, and then always be hungry, right? And then yeah. be hungry, right? Continue to learn and continue to grow, man. But that, that's a great story. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad and, and, and great to see things are still great uh, where you're working at Exxon. Um, it's, it's amazing. You've been there for 15 years um, and, uh, and, and you were able to make it work, man. It's, 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 it's impressive. It's, it's been a journey and it's, it's really an honor to be uh, with you here, Amir, to share a story. Hopefully this will brighten somebody's day and maybe hopefully motivate somebody. Um, um, you, just like you and a few others have motivated me. And so this is a part of payback or giving, give, giving back to, to the society and to the community that have given to me so much. I would never be able to do this myself. Um, I was blessed in a way to meet the right people that motivated me. Please, please um, pursue those people that motivate you and you will see a change in your life. Perfect, man. Hey, great to have you. We'll hopefully talk to you soon. Thanks, Albert. Forward to it. Thank you much. See ya. Bye. Take care. Bye.